Wow, wow, wow. Good morning, church. Oh, come on, man. Good morning, church. All right. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And before I begin, I'm going to do something. Um, I know Pastor Eric Brown has given me the license today, isn't it? So before I begin, I'm going to ask you guys, I'm going to do something that might ruffle a few feathers. I'm just going to ask those that if there is this empty seat in front of you, um, from the second row back if you could just fill it and just come forward I know it sounds a bit strange but as I was sitting there at the front the Holy Spirit was like I said, I'm not going to tell them to move this is their church I said, ask them just ask them you don't have to do it but if there's an empty seat in front of you fill it for a moment just fill up the empty seat that's in front of you thank you glory be to God amen 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 thank you for that thank you for that um, to the church God bless you to my dear bro- brother and minister Todd God bless you thank you for having me uh, Pastor, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure to see you. Every time I see your smile, it always makes me smile. You guys have a really, really blessed man of God and Pastor Dan. Let us put our hands together for him and all the other pastors that are in this church for your faithfulness, for your labor of love, for all that God is using you for in between, not only in this place, but even in the quiet and private time. One of the reasons why I always say it's important for us to admonish and bless and applaud and appreciate our pastors is because I always say that what you see the pastors do on the pulpit is nothing compared to what is done in private from the conversations to the ministrations to the giving to the labor of love and I'm just really really grateful for you and all the other um, pastors and the ministers here and also I wanted just to add um, acknowledge the work the praise and worship team to the amazing sisters the minister Todd to the amazing people that are on the instruments I always say the only instrument I can play is the invisible piano I always say when I'm on the train I'm like, oh you play instrument I say yeah just the invisible piano it's the only one I know how to play but bless you guys for using your gifts to advance God's kingdom remember it is seen in heaven it is seen it is recorded we have a, we serve a God that records our good deeds but casts our sin into the sea of forgetfulness but that's a sermon for another time amen and to the online family those that are tuning in online via zoom I believe God bless you welcome here today and I hope you'll be blessed by the message I am about to share but I'm mindful of time so I'm going to go straight into my message today The message I've got today, I'm going to tell you the title of the message in a moment, but before I go through the title of the message, I'm aware that many of us are here today understanding that today is not only about what the message that I have to share, it's also understanding the importance of parables, am I right? Right? The parables of Jesus. And in looking at the parables of Jesus, I just want to emphasize that sometimes people are like, parables, what's this fancy or interesting word called parables? Parables are just stories. All it is is just stories. And throughout the course of my message today, my primary message, I'm going to be reading from the New King James Version, and my primary scripture is taken from Matthew chapter 5, from verse 13 through to 16. I want us to, I'm going to be deep diving into not only parables, but a particular parable and some particular parables. My primary parable that I'm going to be looking at, as I said, from Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 to 16, goes as follows if you're there with me say i matthew chapter 5 verse 13 to 16 if you're there say i and it goes as follows you are the salt of the earth but if the salt loses its flavor what shall it be sorry what shall it be seasoned should it be seasoned it is then good for nothing but it's thrown out and trampled underfoot by men verse 14 you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill shall not be hidden nor 
shall, nor shall the light of a lamp be put under a basket, but on a lampstand. And it will give light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men. Someone say, let your light. That they may see your good works and glorify our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you for your word today. I thank you for the opportunity to be able to minister in this phenomenal place, O oh God, where your people of God dwell. Father, I pray in the mighty name of Jesus that let our eyes be open to see, let our ears be open to hear, and let our hearts be open to receive the word that you have for us, that we can continue to live it out and bring glory to your name. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen and amen. The interesting thing about parables is that if you understand that the importance of stories is that we, we understand that 35% of Jesus' teachings were parables. But why was it about 35%? Why was it so much? Why did Jesus speak in parables so much? Because neuroscientists understand that when you hear stories, it fires off neural signals in, in for our mind in order to kind of um, begin to fire signals so our mind can mirror and remember such information. This is why you see in, in nurseries and primary schools or, and even in universities or even when you watch TED Talks, you begin to see them share particular stories or stats and facts, but mainly around stories. When people go and share what they do, you hear about a story. It was interesting how you guys did an introduction about what I do. Even I forgot part of my story. I was like, oh my days, wow. I do that? Oh, I do do that. But stories are there because stories help you remember things. This is why we have to be careful what we do around children. Because they're watching our life story. But mommy, you said this. Come on, keep your mouth quiet. What are you saying in this place? Stories. We also need to understand that the parables, depending on what scholarly way you look at it, was around about 35 to 65 parables that Jesus shared, depending on how you decipher which one of those were particular stories. Another main one is the one that we look at in, in the Gospel of Mark, in Mark chapter 4, verse 1 to 20. You don't need to turn there, but that was also known as the first parable, which was around about 65 um, after the death of Christ. But why is this significant? Because that was the parable of the sower. But in the parable that I was sharing earlier was that we are the light of the world. Why is this important? This parable is important because it also ties into the title of my sermon today, which is the cost of living. The title of my sermon today is called the cost of living. Let me ask you guys a question. Has anybody here felt the physical, financial, not spiritual, but maybe emotional pinch of the current cost of living in the UK. Anybody? All right. If you can't say amen, say ouch. I know, right? One of the things that we've begun to see when we're looking at this cost of living, we've begun to see that across the cost of living has increased sharply in the UK from 2001 to 2022, sorry, 2021 to 2022, an inflation of 11%. 11%. That is a 41-year high from what we've seen before. And what we've seen in July alone, July 2023, that is a 16.8% rise. For some of us who are like, Emmanuel, I'm not really good with numbers and stats and facts and figures and percentages. But let me put it this way. The plantain you used to buy for one pound is not the same plantain you used to buy before. 
the Tesco's meal deal that you used to buy is not the same price of the Tesco's meal deal that you used to buy before. The gas and electricity that you used to enjoy is not the same gas and electricity price that you used to enjoy before. Can I get an amen? Don't worry. God will give us greater blessings to withstand this cost of living. But even as we've looked at this cost of living, I've also come to understand that there is some seriousness to it. We've seen people in elderly homes, thank God we're in the summer season. Because in the winter season, some people haven't been able to survive. Some people haven't been able to maintain. Some people have had to reduce their food portions. Some people have had to reduce their energy consumption because of the cost of living. And as I was thinking about this, I was also reminded of my interest in stepdad during this cost of living. During my early teenage years, my stepdad used to do mini cabin and used to come home usually maybe give or take around about lunchtime-ish after doing a night shift and he'll come around lunchtime, stay for a few hours and then go back out. But if you know anything about my stepdad, as soon as you hear those keys enter the door, my PlayStation, I'll turn that off. I'll push out, I'll quickly run to the kitchen, make sure the lights are off. I'll look at all the other amenities in the house. I'll make sure I turn off and I'll run back to my room. And I'll say, <laughs> and he, oh, Emmanuel, how you doing? Why is this light on? Do you know how much I'm working in this house? Can, can I get a witness in this place? And he's like, why is this light on? Emmanuel, and I'm like, why am I getting in trouble for what my brothers and sisters did? Their room light is on and I'm getting in trouble. And when I've come to this wonderful age of adulthood, only if they told me that adulthood is a trap. I didn't know adulthood was a trap. You have taxes, you have bills, and even when you think you've got enough savings, there's another letter coming in the mail to tell you you need to pay this one. And you're like, Lord, please, why? I've given to Caesar what is Caesar's. Why, Lord, why? But the reason why I share this is because the God that we serve is very different from my stepdad. Where my stepdad is keen for us to reduce and take off this light and take off that light and turn off that gas and stop playing games it's not good for your future or stop watching tv you've got no business doing that i've also come to realize that god says that why did you put your light underneath a lampstand you're still wasting your light even though people don't see it and there are so many things for us to understand in this parable of matthew chapter 5 because a few things that I began to see when I was breaking this down in verse 13, it says that you are the salt of the earth. Now, why did Jesus use the term salt? Salt is also known as a preservative. They didn't have refrigerators like the way we do. They didn't have freezers like we do. Because as many of you guys know, that some of you guys have those wonderful sweets where it says celebration boxes, but you know that there's pounded yam flour inside of it. Many of you guys know that sometimes when you go into the freezer, you think it's ice cream, but it is not. It is yesterday's shito or a, a goosey stew that is there preserved for future purpose when we are about to devour it. But what we're seeing here says that you are the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its flavor, shall it be seasoned? It's a rhetorical question here. Jesus is basically saying that this is foolishness. He says, what shall we do with it? Shall it be seasoned again? Has anyone here ever had salt that has no saltiness? Anyone here? And that's what Jesus is emphasizing. Like, no, listen, salt doesn't lose its seasoning. Salt doesn't lose its flavor. But 
those that have lost this flavor will be left out and trampled underfoot. Meaning, to some degree, that those of us that are not acting in the salt-like nature that we've got the gift that we have, it will be abused or misused or thrown underfoot. It is worthless. The light that you have in Christ that you do not use is as good as nothing. It's as good as nothing. It's thrown underfoot and it's trampled underfoot by men. It's trampled underfoot by the world. But I can't let people know that I'm a Christian. They might judge me. They're trampling underfoot. But I can't let people know what I do or that I worship on a Sunday. They might laugh at me or you're just another religious person. But you know what? I know the good thing to do. I'll be a believer in church, but outside of the church, I'm just going to be just like the world because convenience seems cool, but you don't realize it's crippling you. Your convenience seems cool, but you don't realize it's crippling you. You see, our comfort zones are cool places, nice places, safe places. But the problem with comfort is that nothing great grows there. Nothing great grows there. Go look at the words of Jesus. Let the dead bury the dead. Go look at the words of Jesus. Anyone that wants to look back is not fit to follow me. Everything he's saying is against discomfort. You have trouble in this world, but I have overcome this world. Even though you are having trouble and tribulation, in me you have peace. It is a miracle to have the peace of Christ even when you're, having, when you're going through pain and problems in this world. That in itself is a miracle. But let me continue to read on. For you are the light of the world, verse 14. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. What is Jesus emphasizing here in this particular proverb? During those particular periods of times, most of the cities were set on hills. Why? So when people were traveling through the cities or traveling through the deserts, they can begin to see it. You're like a, a city set on a high place. I'll put it this way for you. Has anybody that has light in their house, does it, do you plant it or is it plugged from the ground or is it coming from your ceiling? Anyone here? I know some of you guys have those fancy houses where the light's from the side, isn't it? But most of it is from our ceiling, just like the way we have our lights here, so that it shines downwards. But the problem in the cost of living is that many of us are scared to live boldly, so we put ourselves in hidden places, wasting our lights. Like our saltiness has no salt and it is trampled underfoot and it is placed out. But verse 15 says, Nor do does a light, nor sorry, nor do they light a lamp and put it underneath a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. The question is, which house are you in? I'm in the house of the Lord. No, 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 no. You've misunderstood my question. Which house are you in? Which house do you work in? Where is your place of work? Where is your place of vocation? Where is your place of study? Those are houses that you are in. And the problem with some of those houses is that the house itself isn't a problem. The problem is that we've forgotten that we are a solution to be a light in such houses. And Christ is asking us, why are you acting like salt that's lost its saltiness? Because by definition... Salt cannot lose its saltiness. So why are you acting like you have no power within you? Why are you acting like you have no light within you? And why are you acting like there isn't? 
a cost of living crisis because many of the people, if not most of the people we are around, do not know Christ. And that in itself is a crisis. That is a crisis. But there's something interesting about Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 through to 16. And it's interesting because it's related to Isaiah chapter 42 from verse 5 through to 9, which goes as follows. Verse 5. Then says God the Lord, who created the heavens and stretched them out? Who spreads forth the earth, that which comes from it? Who gives breath to the people in it? I love that. You know why I love that? Because as I was preparing this sermon, the Holy Spirit said, go back and read that again. Who gives breath? But what, was, what church are we in? Which means what? The breath of God. So I believe this message is timely. It's prophetic and profound, not only for those that are seated here today, but also those online, that this is something for this particular season in this church. He gives breath to the people in it. And the spirit of those who walk in it. Verse 6. I, the Lord, have called you in righteousness. Hold on to that keyword righteousness. I will hold your hand. Hold on to that. The reason why that is significant. Because sometimes the reason why we do not act. The reason why we stay in comfort rather than remain courageous. Is because we forgot the person that is holding our hand. See, we think that we've gone to battle alone. Forgotten that God has already gone before us. I, the Lord will hold your hand. I will keep you and give you a as a covenant to the people. As a light to the Gentiles. As a light to the Gentiles. As a light. Let your light so shine to these people. Verse 7. To open blind eyes, to bring out prisoners from the prison. Those who sit in where? Darkness. From the prison house. People are in darkness. People are in prison houses. They act like us. Speak like us. Walk like us. Talk like us. But they're imprisoned. And we have keys to unlock it. But we choose just to give them high five. Yeah man, keep doing what you're doing here my brother and sister. Yeah, but we've forgotten that. Saying well done without them knowing Christ. Is leaving them undone. And we can only really help them. When we understand our duty, our calling, our position, as well as our purpose. Verse 8. For I am the Lord, that is my name. My glory I will not give to another. My glory I will not give to another. But Emmanuel, what's, how does this relate to what you're saying? Because look back on Matthew chapter 5. And what does it tell us in the latter part of Matthew chapter 5? The latter part of Matthew chapter 5 tells us, it tells us in verse 16, let your light shine before men that they may see whose good works? Whose good works? Is it God's or yours? Yours. You see, sometimes we're scared of that ownership. No, it's God's. No, it's yours. It's yours. Which means the measurement stick is your good works. Not God's, it's yours. But it's, it still is God's, but it's God's good work in you. Which means that when you do the work, are you showing God's good work in you? But Manny, I don't quite understand. Don't worry, walk with me for a moment. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and, bring, and, and glorify our Father in heaven. When you do good, 
you are a representative for God. That's why some people that have been given right to, right to remain in the United Kingdom, if some of those people who have been given that are either imprisoned or something on, a, on an extreme crime, sometimes it says it has now been revoked. I can take this back has been revoked because they are meant to act as a representative for the nation that they claim to now represent. And we represent a nation that doesn't expire, a nation that doesn't have a crisis, a nation that is eternal, a nation that is powerful, a nation that is present. And the question is that how are we representing such nation? How are we representing such nation? My glory I will give to no other, just as we're seeing in that. He will give his glory to no other, but he will place his power within us that we can do good to shine greater goodness on his glory. Greater goodness in who he is, in his nature. Nor my praise to carved images. Behold, the former things have come to pass, but new things I declare before they spring forth, I will tell you them. New things. Someone say new things. Someone say new things. And that leads me to my next point. My next point is that we need to focus on ourselves first. But Emmanuel, what do you mean of this cost of living crisis or we need to shine our light and that we're the salt of this world, of this, par of this parable? We need to focus on ourselves first. Because sometimes the problems that we have is that we're focused on what other people are doing or not doing. But I come to church every week. My dear sister, she hasn't come to church in a long time. But I saw my tithes and offering. <laughs> that person that just comes in sparingly there. I know they're sinning because I saw what they did on social media and the lifestyle they delivered. But look at me, you see. We're focused on everybody else. But one of the things in Matthew chapter 7, verse 1 through to 5 goes as follows. It says, judge not that you not be judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Verse 3. And here's where Jesus goes into storytelling. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye? But not consider the plank in your own eye? I don't know if you guys have ever just gone down for a walk down the road and something's going to your eye. Like, yeah, the pain. And you're asking someone, please, can you see it? And they're like, I can't see it. I can't, you're like, but the pain is excruciating. Please blow my eye. I don't know about you. When my mom used to blow my eye, she'll bless me with saliva at the same time. So she'll, she'll take out whatever's in my eye, but I've been baptized with the saliva in my eye. And one of the things I began to see that's interesting here, it says, take the speck out of, so why do you look to take the speck out of your brother's eye, but you do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how do you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye and look at the plank in my own eye? Hypocrites, first remove the plank from your own eye that you will see clearly to remove the speck out of your brother's eye. I am not saying there isn't any form of judgment. I'm saying we need to focus on ourselves first. Everybody, quickly do this for me. Everyone point at me. Everyone, please point at me. I know it seems rude in some cultures. Don't worry, I won't be offended. Please point at me, everyone. I learned this from one of my dear sisters. She said, told me something once upon a time. She said, every time you're pointing at somebody, you've still got three fingers pointing at you. And that's just a, a rule of thumb that maybe before we even judge somebody, let's ask ourselves three questions. What have we done about ourselves first? When was the last time we committed a sin that the world doesn't know, but God knows? When was the last time we was rude or abusive to either our children, our spouse, our family members, our friends, or even our manager? 
or our manager says that work starts at 10 o'clock, but we know that he's get, he or she's going to get in at 11 o'clock, so we get in at 10.30, because we believe we can do that. Taking the liberty, but we forget that God still sees us. What was the last time? We need to focus on ourselves first. My next point is that what is your foundation? What is your foundation? And I'm going to share with you from Matthew chapter 13, from 1 through to 23, and I'm going to jump through some verses because of time. And just to illustrate my key point, Matthew chapter 13, verse 1 through to 3, and this again goes back to similarly, as I said, similar to scripture to, that was in the book of Mark, as the first proverb known to us that was shared via oral tradition as well as written. It goes as follows. On the same day, Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the sea. And a great multitude were gathered together to him. So, so, that, so that he got into a boat and sat. And the whole multitude stood on the shore. One thing I love about the Bible is that please take the Bible very serious. It says he got into the boat, he sat down. But everybody else stood. I find this interesting. Because when Jesus is teaching his disciples, he's seated. But a lot of them are seated at his feet. And it made me think that, why were they standing? Maybe there were so many people they wanted to see over each other. But also shows that they were willing to pay attention. And also we need to be people that need to be willing to pay attention. Which is also part of our foundation. Verse 3. Then he spoke many things to them in what? He spoke many things to them in what? But here's what's interesting. Jump down with me to verse 8. Others fell on good ground and yielded crop. Some hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. He who has an ear, let him hear. Probably 95% of the time, let's go with 90, 90% of the time when we're in church, we're just listening. Bar praise and worship, most of it is listening. The rest of it might be call and response, but 90%, most of it is listening. The question is that how much of that 90% of what we've listened to do we implement? Because if there's one thing that I felt in my spirit as during praise and worship was going on, was to remind the church and remind myself, let us not get too familiar. Because sometimes we can come in, yeah, I remember that scripture, I know that verse, I know that song. We get so familiar, we sometimes wonder why is it that when a new convert comes into a church, things that they're praying for, they get their breakthrough. But we've been praying for ages. Ah, God, why? Because maybe they didn't get too familiar. Maybe they had faith like a child. That Jesus, he's going to do it for you? Yeah, he's going to do it for me. Oh, and we're looking at them like, yeah, I've been in this church for years. You don't know, just soon you will calm down. And we've become too familiar. But I digress. What is your foundation? He says you speak in parables. Then it goes as follows in verse 11. He answered and he said to them, because it has been given to you to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven. But to them, it has not been given. If it's not been given to them, this is another reason why it's important to know that you are the light and salt of this world. For the world, they don't have it. They can't see, they cannot hear. It's not been given, but to you, the mysteries, it's been given. But Emmanuel, why don't they get it? Why can't they see it? Because it's a mystery. And the only thing that can reveal a mystery is the spirit of God. But they've read the text. They know John 3.16 because it's said every Christmas. But the mystery can be revealed by the power and the spirit of God. For whoever has to him more 
will be given. And he will have abundance. Someone say abundance. But whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken away from him. Whoever does not have. I would say that we need to be mindful that those of us that have, but act like we don't have, that may be taken away from us. God forbid, in Jesus' name. And why do I say that? Because we need to be good stewards of what God has placed in our hands as well as our hearts. Verse 13, therefore, I speak to them in parables because seeing they do not see, hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. And in them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. In them, the prophecy of Isaiah is fulfilled. What is that prophecy? Hearing you will hear and you shall not understand. Seeing you will see and you do not perceive. For the heart of this people has grown dull. Their ears are hard of hearing. Their eyes are, sorry, their eyes they have, have closed. Lest they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears. Lest they should understand with their hearts. And turn. And turn. Not only understand, turn. Because sometimes we're good at understanding. I get what you mean. But are you willing to take action to turn? To turn. I get what you mean. Are you willing to take action to turn? And sometimes that it doesn't always have to be sinful things. Sometimes it could just be common things where to turn is the wisdom upon the knowledge that you've now received. If I was to give you knowledge of how to save money on cost of living, yeah, I know one person that does that, but did you act upon it for yourself? Because many of us are really good at complaining that, oh, this is my life. Oh, this is my life. Oh, woe is me. And have you ever wondered why Jesus even told the layman by the pool of Bethesda, do you want to be made well? Why would you ask a person that is unwell, do you want to be made well? Because some of us love our pain rather than the promise. And God has called us to be a light and salt of the world. To help people say, listen, no more pain. I know this has been a generational thing, but guess what? It ends with you. No more problem. I know this has been something that's been within your life for years, but it ends with you. The woman with the issue of blood, 12 years, bleeding. Walking around, shouting unclean, unclean. Do you know what that does to the mind? To say that every day while you walk around, unclean, unclean, every day that people can't associate with you. There was a woman I saw on social media, Instagram, she was crying because she said she's never received a hug in years. And we sometimes forget what physical touch does to us. It doesn't always have to be sexual. Physical touch is just to show you that you are human, that you are loved, that you are cared for. Imagine what it does to that woman with the issue of blood in her mind where nobody touches you, where nobody converses with you and where you feel less of a woman because of your current state. And there are people in this world that feels less of a person because of their current state. And God wants to use us to unite that state for his kingdom. What are we going to do about that? Verse 16. Blessed are your eyes for they see your ears for their hair. Blessed are your eyes, for they see your ears that they hear. Do you know sometimes why we haven't gained our next breakthrough? It's because we forgot our current blessing. These are not ours, these are Jesus' words. Blessed are your eyes, for they see your ears, for they hear. Blessed. Therefore, our breakthrough must first start with blessing. It starts with blessing. But let me continue going. In verse 19 of the same scripture, it goes as follows. Verse 19. 
when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and doesn't understand it and the wicked one comes who comes and he snatches away what was sown in their hearts he snatches away what was sown in he doesn't take it he snatches it he's a schemer he's a deceiver and sometimes snatching something doesn't always mean you feel it because good thieves make sure they can take something from you without you even knowing. Snatch it. Just like that. He snatches what was sown in their hearts. That is who received the seed by the wayside. But he who received the seed on the stony places, this is he who hears the word of the Lord and immediately receives it with joy. I'm going to pause for a moment. Some of us have received a promise, a blessing, a prophetic word, a word from God, and we're excited immediately with joy. But I always tell people, don't allow your feelings to fool you. Receive it immediately with joy, but sow it by repeating it on a daily basis, in and out of season. That's why Galatians 6 9 says, Galatians 6 9 reminds us that do good always. Do good always, for in due season you would reap. In due season you would reap if you do not lose heart. And when our blessing is about to come at 12 o'clock, we lose heart at 11.59. Then we come back to church repeating the same prayer. See the pastor complaining about the same thing. And then we look at the pastor, maybe this is not a church for me. But one thing I've always said, whatever you fail to address will soon find its way to your new home address. You can move church, move home, move countries. The problem will find you. Why? Because you didn't want to stay there. You're running. Oh, yeah, but this, that place. No, no. Whatever you fail to address will soon find its way to your new home address. That's why some people, and don't worry, it's not this couple. Some people go through marriage and preparation and they go through courtship and they're like, and then when courtship comes and marriage prep comes, and the hard question comes, they're looking at each other like, uh, oh, you thought love was enough. Hey, 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 But you don't realize that real life is not about the love, the feeling. It's about love, the walking. To walk in love. That's why we understand on weddings, it says in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, for better or for worse. Because all of those things are part of the journey. And until we understand these things, we receive it immediately with joy. But it tells us in verse 21, yet he has no root in himself, but endures only for a while. Because you have to sow the joy, you have to sow the feeling in the foundation of Christ. What is your foundation? I love it as it says in Joshua, wrap it around your necks, wrap the word around your hearts, wrap it around your necks, wrap it tight, that no one can take it off. And nobody can take it off. Verse 21. Sorry, verse 22. Now he who received the seed amongst the thorns is he who hears the word and the cares of the world, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches. Key word, deceitfulness. Because some of us see it as riches. No. Being rich is good. Being rich is good. You know why some of us can't say Amen. Because some of us say, oh, no, 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 wealth is dangerous. Oh, yeah, don't worry. 
But when there's when there's when we talk about cost of living, God bring wealth. Which one do you want? Riches is good when it's aligned with righteousness. Why? Because if there's one thing I know the enemy will never want you to be is to have riches and righteousness because that is a dangerous combination. Because you advance your life, your family's life and God's kingdom all simultaneously. But it says the deceitfulness of richness, riches, which is when you allow riches to become your God, your idol. Well, don't worry about this. I've got this. Don't worry about this. I've got this. Now you're being deceived. Now you haven't put it in its rightful place because the riches is a tool to advance God's kingdom, your family and your community and more. Can you imagine what the UK would be like if we said we're going to walk around Croydon for the next month? What do you need? Bang, it's done for you. Let me pray for you at the same time. What do you need? Bang, it's done for you. Let me pray for you at the same time. Do you know, can you imagine what would happen to this part of the United Kingdom? So continue to pray and believe. But it says the riches, the deceitfulness of riches choke the word because your word is your foundation. And they become unfruitful. When the word is choked, you are only reliant on your own strength. But your strength and my strength will get weak unless we continue to worship the one who makes us strong. What are we going to do with that? Why was Jesus sharing this parable? It's one of my favorite parables. I believe Jesus was sharing this parable to show us what happens to us if we do not continue to remain on good ground. But imagine, I'll never be amongst phones. Yes, you have. Because when you've been sacked by your workplace, that was amongst phones. The question is that, do you remember where the good ground was? But Emmanuel, I, I, I was never by the wayside. Yes, you've been. There's been seasons of isolation in your life, because I've been in a season of isolation in my life. But guess what? I had to remember the good ground. The good ground. To good ground before the enemy comes to steal the joy that God blessed me with. And that's how I would say, this church, the global church, has a duty to help people facilitate the environment as well as the foundation in order for people to continue to grow in God's grace and God's goodness. We have a duty to help facilitate the environment as well as the foundation. One of the things I find interesting about looking at these particular scriptures is that when we understand what God is doing, when we understand how God is working, we can, we can actually now begin to be effective, not only for us, but also the community at large. And I'll explain what I mean by that in a moment. As we was looking at this particular scripture in Matthew chapter 13, verse 14 to 15, in Isaiah chapter 6, verse 9 through to 10, it goes as follows. And he said to them, go and tell this, tell this people, keep on hearing, sorry, keep, sorry, keep on hearing, but do not understand. Keep on seeing, but do not be, but do not perceive. Make the heart of the people dull. Their ears are heavy. Their that shut are their eyes, lest they see with their eyes and hear with their ears and understand with their hearts and return and be healed. What am I saying about this? When the word of God remains on good ground, when we help facilitate people on their walk with Christ, they will eventually find the healing that they need. 
some people are still wrestling with PTSDs. I'm going to say something slightly controversial, and I hope you guys can bear with me. Many of our parents and parents' parents have gone through things back home that when they've either come to the UK to build, they haven't had a space to facilitate how to release such pain and traumas. And they've had to get on with it because the bills are coming. They've had to get on with it because the new environment that they're living, the society, that they, the kids that they're carrying, I've got no time to grieve. I've got no time to cry. I have to get on with it. And I'm saying to remind us that sometimes even their healing is still pending, but they haven't yet been willing to face the past traumas of old because even traveling across countries to get into another place, to, to survive in a new environment, they haven't had anyone to hold their hand through it. And we have a duty of care to pray, to listen, to support such people because even their healing still awaits them. Yeah, but they're preaching, but they're laying hands, but the healing still awaits them. But mom, when you did this, please don't tell me I'm your mother. Don't ask me any questions. They only do is that they've been done to them. Not knowing that some of the conversations that's needed is that talk to me. Because Isaiah reminds me, come, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Scripture reminds us, do not provoke our children onto anger. But the question is that our parents was once children and they've been provoked onto anger and they were told to Shh, keep quiet, don't answer me back. Not knowing that in conversation they were allowed to grow in their mind and heart and in spirit. We have a duty of care to be a light and salt in this world to help people find their healing in Christ. My next point is we need to remain kingdom-minded. We need to remain kingdom-minded. In Matthew chapter 13, verse 44 to 46, it goes as follows. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. I'll pause there for a moment. When Jesus was sharing this parable, the people of the time are fully familiar that at times some of the people that work in the field are usually poor, don't have much. This poor person has come to buy a whole field. If, us, if we are to buy land, it might maybe cost us maybe 20% of our current assets, whether you're buying land back home, or you're buying land here. Yeah, 20%, maybe 30%. This person had to sell everything. Everything. So we can already know their financial state. And the people at the time understood this particular parable when Jesus is speaking. But what does he say? Verse 45. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls. Key word, pearls. Singular or plural? Plural. Follow me. Verse 46, who, when he has found one, are you working with me? One, singular or plural? Singular. Hold on. Something interesting is happening here. We're seeing a person who's working in the field. He sees this treasure. Oh, my gosh. He hides the treasure. Because if many of you guys have watched movies from back in the days, you understand that pirates would hide treasure underneath the ground. Some of us back home have hidden our treasures underneath the ground. My stepdad used to hide his money in the freezer. Don't ask me why. That's a story for another time. But they hide it in the most places that you cannot see to the naked eye. 
But also, this is interesting, because Jesus is now combining two particular proverbs in one. He's showing the poor person that's found treasure, sold everything that he has to buy it. That's like you and I. When you know what true salvation is and the kingdom of God is, it is worth everything you own. Everything. But also, he's also shown us something interesting here. Somebody that is also potentially has wealth. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant seeking a beautiful pearls. Who's this merchant? I'm looking for some pearls. I'm looking for some jewelry. I'm going to Hatton Gardens to go and buy the most finest diamonds. Pearls, plural. But when he has found one pearl, the one pearl, hold on, this is like, this is only one. I'm coming for many. This is one. Of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. The question I ask you, in order to be kingdom-minded, it's going to cost you something. Correction. To be kingdom-minded, it's going to cost you everything. Your time, your emotions, your children, your spouse, your future, your finances. But here's the catch. Here's the caveat. When it costs you everything, it is worth it because God will give you everything. Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 says, seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first, singular, the kingdom of God. Two things to understand. Is it just kingdom of God? No. It's kingdom of God and it's righteousness. When we read Isaiah, we began to we understood the importance of righteousness. And God emphasizes righteousness. Why am I taking you through these things? Because if we are to be on fire and be the salt and the light, we need to understand that what is our minds focused on and how are we living now? Right? Kingdom of God, that's where we are going. That's the purpose. That is the path. Righteousness. What is our current state? What is our mind state? Our heart state? What is our behavior state in this current place? The kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things. What are all the things? All the things you desire, that Lamb of God's will. The things you've been praying for, that Lamb of God's will. The things that God has placed on your heart, that Lamb of God's will. Will be added onto you. These things will be added onto you. And that's why I always say, when you understand these things then you can do great things for an amazing God when you understand these things Manny what's the one thing I need to focus on his kingdom what about the other things no keep them in mind but don't keep them in the heart of your mind that overrides God's kingdom in your heart because when you're focused on the other things you're likely to neglect God's thing but when you are focused on the one thing and you are in right standing and righteousness with God he remembers all the other things. He remembers all the other things. And this is why I'll leave us with my final point. The university I went to was a place called Kingston University. I thank God because <laughs> when we were singing that last song that they were ministering and I said I'm not going back. Not that I'm not going back to uni. But I'm not going back to that old lifestyle. Because we need to pray over our children when they go to university. I think university is a great place to go to. I think you can actually learn faster. You learn about life. You learn about people. But it also can be a complex place to go to. Because sin is everywhere. You think you're free, but you're not free because sin has a price on it. 
And in my sinful lifestyle, I wasn't able to see the price of that sin and thank God for redeeming me. And when that scripture talks about God redeemed, God redeemed, I'm like, wow, that song, not the scripture, sorry. When the song spoke about God redeeming, buying back to redeem is to buy back. We're looking at people that want to buy the whole land, selling what they've got. God is buying back, buying you back. And we still sometimes choose to live life freely. Anyhow, forgetting that God has bought us with a price. The price of his blood, of his life. But one of the things that's interesting about this story as we look at this cost of living is that when I lived in uni and we stayed on dorms, the following year, me, my cousin, and two other friends said, you know what, let's go live together. So we went to live in a particular house, four-bedroom house on top of Londis. Anyone heard of Londis? Oh, don't worry, next generation, Londis, Londis. Anyone knows about Londis? It was the shopping store, and the person that owned the Londis owned the store, so we had to go behind the store to go up into our apartment. So the entrance in that looked ugly, but inside the house was nice. People said the house was the DFS house because the beds were nice and shiny. The flooring was wooden. But what we didn't consider in looking at the beauty of the place was that the gas and electricity bill was expensive. I still believe the landlord was probably sharing our bill with his shop downstairs. But that's a story for another time. I could go back, but I've forgiven him. I'm moving on with life. I'm pressing on forward. But something was interesting during the winter times. We'll top up gas and electricity. 20 pounds will just go like that. 20 pounds for gas, 20 pounds for electricity. And when you know in winter in England, when it's winter, it is really winter. You know when you're in your bed and you're looking up and you breathe out and you see the smoke? That sort of winter. And we're deliberating within ourselves. We've got no more money to top up. <laughs> we're students. We're trying to live this life. We've got cars. We've got nice clothes. But we haven't decided how to manage our money well. And it's, we started fighting amongst each other. One person will bring his girlfriend, she's cooking. I'm thinking, why is she cooking in my kitchen? This is my own money that she's using to make your food. And she's not even giving us anything. Please understand the pain I was going through in this place. You know when it's so cold, you have to stay in your bed longer? You know when you, when you need to shower, but you want somebody to bath first, so the steam in the bathroom can stay warm so you can go in after? Do you know what I'm, do you know what I'm going through? Well, the reason why I'm bringing this up to you is because it showed me that was my current cost of living. That was the state I was in. That's what I was going through. But I needed somebody with knowledge to say that, Emmanuel, you're living in this house that looks nice on the inside. So when your friends and people come, oh, this looks good. This looks great. But you're suffering in silence. People in this world are suffering in silence. Their life looks good. Things seem to be all put together, but they still don't know Jesus. And Jesus called us to be the salt and light, and yet we are not using it. We're not using it. It's suffering in silence. I'll go uni. And, yeah, Emmanuel, you didn't get safe, bro. Safe says, yeah, don't know. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. But when I get home, I'm like, please, Lord, let somebody not use gas and electric. <laughs> suffering in silence. And that's why we see in John 10.10, 10, it tells us, the enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. You know what's interesting about that? I grew up in an African household where that's the only verse I kept hearing repeatedly. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy. Steal, kill, and destroy. I was like, why did you not read the rest of it? Because the rest of it is the best part. The rest of it is the best part. I'm like, why did you stop? Why did you stop? But God has come to give us life and life more abundantly. And what did I tell you to remember in Matthew chapter 13, verse 12? I said, remember that keyword abundance? Remember that. 
See, the Bible was an intricate book, well woven together that it cannot be broken. God's word is above himself. It cannot be lost. Hold on to it with everything that you have and everything in your being. Because when you do that, you will remember that whoever the sun sets free is free indeed. But we have a duty to help other people find freedom. And my last point I'll leave you with is this. In everything that we do, as Jesus also used parables to share stories, because the neurons in our mind were fired to remember those stories, you too have a duty to share a particular story. Would you not want to know what story that is? How many Gospels do we have? It's not a true question. Everyone online? Four. I heard you online. Don't worry. I can see you in the spirit. But I want you to share the fifth gospel. Blasphemy. Don't worry. Calm down. Don't worry. I'm saved. I promise you. Manny, what is the fifth gospel you may be asking? The fifth gospel is your life story. What has God done in your life? What miracles has Jesus done in your life? What, hand tra- what heart transformation has taken place in your life? What renewed mind has Jesus done in your life? What blessings and favor and open doors has God birthed in your life? What prayer, patience and perseverance has been deposited within the character of every fiber of your being in your life that you can withstand the, the wiles of the enemy to say, I will hold on to this God. I will not let go of you till you bless me. Come sun or snow, I'm going to stay with Christ no matter what. Because when we're willing to do that, we will not fully understand that it's time for us to not put our light underneath a lamp, underneath a basket, but on top of a lampstand. Just like a building's on top, just like the, the, the cities are on top of a light. And when people are journeying there, they're like, oh, that's our destination. I'm lost. It's dark. Oh, I can see the light. I can see the light. We have a duty to maintain that light, to shine that light. Because the enemy wants us to play small and God wants us to play bold. Because when we are bold, we shine bright. And when we shine bright, we give him glory through humility in Jesus' name. Let's bow our heads and pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for today's message. You called me here on an assignment, Lord, and I pray, Lord, that in that assignment, We will not only be people that hear and see, we'll be people that act upon what we hear and see. And before I pray, I'm going to ask people to do something. I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to call you out. And this is not even an altar call. This is a personal call. This is a personal call to anyone in this place that you're like, Emmanuel, you know what? I don't know where my saltiness is. Emmanuel, you know what? I don't know where my, my light is dimming a little bit, but I want it to be on fire again. And some of us are about to hear the call and the charge I'm about to send out. But for some of us, we're like, oh, I don't want to I don't, I don't do what you're about to do because it's a bit embarrassing. I don't want people to see me. This is not about me. This is about you and God. And if you're here in this place, whether it's a financial cost of living, whether it's health, whether it's courage, whether it's boldness, I just want you to stand where you are. I don't want you to come forward. I just want you to stand where you are. I want to pray for you. In humility and in boldness, just stand. 
Stand where you are. Say, you know what, Emmanuel, that, that was for me. Stand. Whether it's like, you know what, I need to, I want to share the gospel with more people, but sometimes I'm a bit worried of what people think of me. Stand. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, keep them closed in respect for those around you. But I want you to stand. Whether you're like, you know, I've been coming to church for years, but I'm going through routine. It's time for you to get to that new level. So stand. Heavenly Father, as those, as your soldiers and your saints have stood up, oh Lord in faith and in truth i pray that everything that they're praying for will come to pass in jesus name lord i pray that the enemy will not steal or snatch what the seeds that have been sown on good ground and the birds will not pluck the seeds that have been sowed in you oh god but lord as they have stood up oh god even those online if you're at home stand you're going to stand prophetically to tell the enemy that no more no more no more for whoever the sun sets free is free indeed Lord, you have said that you come to give us life and life more abundantly. I don't know what your saints are praying for. I don't know what your soldiers are praying for. But as they've chosen to stand in faith, it is a declaration. It is an initiation to say, I stand for God. I stand for Jesus. I stand for Jesus. For the word of God says, when you have done everything you could do to stand, then stand again. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for blessing them and keeping them. Thank you for anointing them with a new wine and a new anointing in this time. Thank you, Lord, for they will not put their new wine in their wineskins. For you've prepared a new wineskin that as you expand their blessing, the old wineskin that will burst, this one will stretch with it. May your favor stretch with them. May your love stretch with them. May your peace stretch with them. May your joy stretch with them. And may your grace stretch with them. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. And the church says, Amen, Amen, and Amen. Thank you. Amen, Amen. Thank you, Pastor Emmanuel, for sharing.